A throne speech is on the horizon for Canadians. Will it mean a new direction for the country or a trip to the ballot box? Hello and welcome to the Unpublished Cafe. I'm Ed Hand. The gnashing of teeth was apparent when the Liberals pulled the plug on Parliament, proroguing until September 23rd. Opposition members accused the Grits of ducking the investigation into the Wee scandal. The political posturing is not surprising, but the bottom line for all Canadians is finding a way out of the pandemic and getting the economy back on track. Prime Minister Trudeau has said he will consult with all party leaders, but whether it's an empty gesture is still to be seen. There have been overtures toward a green economy, more childcare spending, national pharmacare program, and guaranteed annual income. The game of chicken comes with the confidence vote. If the opposition parties vote against the speech, then we're headed to the polls. Nelson Wiseman's a professor of political science at the University of Toronto, and he joins us now. And, and Nelson, when I look at a throne speech like this in the, in the midst of a pandemic, is this one of those key throne speeches when we look back in history? Uh, it's hard to tell, yeah. but I'm skeptical, mm -hmm. just based on former uh, speeches from the throne. I think uh, what's significant about this speech from the throne, and the only reason we're having it is because the house was prorogued, so it was required. But I've just gone back and looked at the 2015 and 2019 speeches from the throne. And so the last one was just 10 months ago. Mm -hmm. And um, all kinds of things that are mentioned in there, we didn't get action on them. We were told that cell and wireless services were going to be cheaper has that happened we were told there were going to be moves to introduce pharmacare has that happened are we a further step ahead on reconciliation which was also focused on in the 2015 speech from the throne what i would say about the speech from the throne is it's given by the governor general it's full of governor generalities you're not getting the specifics of anything. You're just getting little flags saying, well, we're interested in a green economy. Well, that's, that's been, that was said in the last two speeches from the throne. What has actually changed? Things like that. So you've, you've got to get to legislation to actually see the more precise content of what is, is, is being proposed and voted on and, of course, the budget. So the real reason we're having a speech from the throne is because uh, we've had a prorogation, which incidentally, the speech from the throne in 2015 promised we wouldn't be getting uh, for political reasons. And we did get it for political mm -hmm. reasons. A, a speech from the throne usually comes after a government has more or less acted on all the things that it promised in the last speech from the throne. So then you get a prorogation and the government introduces a fresh legislative agenda. We don't have a fresh, well, we, that, what I'm saying is that the legislative agenda that was proposed last December, most of it hasn't been acted on. So the whole ba rationale and basis for the prorogation uh, is undermined. The real reason, of course, was the We Charity scandal mm. and the fact that the opposition parties were hot on the heels of the government. And you think that's the that's the main reason for prorogation? But what about a, a new direction that the the Liberals seem to say that uh, they need to lay out for for Canadians? Because as you say, uh, things have changed since December 2019. Not only since December 19, they have changed dramatically mm -hmm. since the House was prorogued. And I put everything in the context of the pandemic because I think that is the dominant issue 
health-wise, economically, and politically right now in the country. And uh, we were not in that bad situation a month ago when the House was prorogued. The number of cases in Canada was, I don't know, about um, uh, hovering around 200 a day. I recall when we were in the 50s in in Ontario, and I recall... Uh, Williams, David Williams, the chief doctor in Ontario, talking about getting it below 50. Well, where are we now? I think yesterday we had 11 or 1,200 cases in the country. Uh, Premier Ford is talking about uh, future lockdowns. I think the Liberals thought, because of the terrific boost that all government leaders got, and we just saw this re-election in in New Brunswick and Doug Ford's numbers way up, and Trudeau's numbers it went into the stratosphere because people were were anxious and they were looking for leaders, for leadership, direction, for authority, and uh, but a lot of that has worn off. And now that we see, hey, maybe the lockdown doesn't seem to have accomplished very much. People are a lot very anxious. We're not going to have an election. I'm a hundred percent convinced of that. The the party that was wanting an election, I think, were the liberals because they could see things might get worse. Let's go for it now. We don't know how the economy is going to bounce back because a lot of these support programs are expiring. Now, maybe they'll be renewed in the speech from the throne, but can we run another three to four hundred billion dollar deficit? It'll be pretty tough. It'll be pretty tough. Now, you're saying 100% there won't be an election. Now, that's with the confidence vote. What about uh, when it comes down to the budget? Because that would be another possibility for the government to go down. Yes, and also on on what are called opposition days, Hmm. or what technically is called supply. When you're voting money, happens three, four times a year, for the government to keep operating, for the grease to go onto the wheels. And, And... you can have, uh, on those days, the opposition parties can introduce any vote they want, a non-confidence vote, and the government at any point it could decide that a vote on anything is a confidence matter. The government decides. So I think, um, I actually think this minority government is going to last into 2022 unless, unless, um, we get a situation where we have like the we scandal really now explodes because um, we haven't really gotten to the bottom mm-hmm. of of the political involvement with we and, and the role of the bureaucracy here. And I'm not saying we're going to find things. We may. And I think that was large part of the ca- calculation of the liberals. Uh, they might come out okay, so they'll continue. But if we get into a situation where confidence in the government has plummeted so far, the opposition parties will be compelled by public opinion to pull the plug. We're not there yet. Nelson Wiseman joining us on the Unpublished Cafe, professor of political science at the University of Toronto, as we discuss the upcoming throne speech on September 23rd. Now, now obviously the Conservatives have a, a, a new leader in Aaron O'Toole, and do you think, you, you don't think we're getting an election, but do you, do you think or do you see possibly the Conservatives working with another party to bring down the government? Well, they would have, they'd have to get two other parties mm-hmm. to come along for the ride. I mean, you know, you mentioned Aaron O'Toole mm-hmm. and the leader of the Bloc Québécois Blanchette. Where are they right now? They're in isolation. They're yeah. in no position to run an election campaign. 
I mean, that tells you something right there. What is the primary preoccupation, not just of the country, of the politicians themselves? So, uh, you know, this is just shadow boxing uh, about a, a potential election. Um, I, mm, yeah, well, here's another feature of the speech from the throne, if I may. It's mm-hmm. given by the governor general. I think this might be her last speech from the throne. Uh, to begin with, mm-hmm. we, we normally don't have these once a year. Under Harper, we've now had two within a few months, and now we're getting the same thing with Trudeau. This is highly, highly unusual. But getting back to Payette, uh, we're going to get a report sometime this autumn about um, uh, her office. Mm-hmm and how staff feel they've been treated or what the situation there is, that might put her in an untenable position and she may end up resigning. Trudeau's been standing by her. Well, he appointed her um, and he didn't use a mechanism, which I thought was a very good mechanism that Stephen Harper had created, which is he had a committee and, and that selected, that nominated, that proposed a number of potential candidates. And compared to the last uh, governor general we had, who was a constitutional expert, he was the president of Waterloo University, Donald Johnston, uh, you know, we got a selection of an astronaut who's very accomplished, but it was really for public optics. The same had happened when when the liberals had selected people like Mikhail Jean and Adrian Clarkson. They were very accomplished in their fields, but were they being? Why were they being selected as governor general? Because the the liberals perceived that these are popular personalities, and they wanted to be associated with them. It's the same reason that that parties try to get hockey stars to run in elections for them. Uh, you know, not many people knew who Johnston was, right. but he was a very competent and 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 he fit the role perfectly. And it those was. are the kinds of people we yeah. should be getting. Yeah, he he was dynamite, that's for sure. You know, okay, we're talking about this throne speech and, and a possibility of an election if obviously that and you don't think it's going to happen. But but are all parties ready for an election if it happens on the 23rd? I think the party that's the best positioned for it uh are actually the Liberals. The Bloc Québécois is in a good position as well. Uh the Conservatives and the NDP aren't. The reason the Conservatives aren't is because they had their leadership convention, they don't have their ducks lined up yet in terms of the um, the candidates. You know, we were uh, Ed, we were on a program together a, mm-hmm. a few weeks ago with um, Mr. McTeague, the former uh, yep. Liberal yes. cabinet yeah. or MP, I think, from the Oakville area, and he said something that I thought was very illuminating. I mentioned that well, and this was at the height of the Wee scandal whether Trudeau was in trouble. And I said, well, uh, if enough people in the Liberal caucus want to beat up on him, then he's in trouble. And and, and McTeague pointed out, hey, that that, ju- that just can't happen anymore because the the selection of the individual candidates is essentially determined in the premier's office, in the prime minister's office or in the leader's office. So what has happened is that the uh, conservatives uh, haven't nominated in all kinds of writings, writings that they don't hold, uh, you know, whereas right. the liberals here, there's a story out today that a broadcaster for the, um, uh, for Bell Media, yep. CTV, it, you know, is now going to run in Toronto Centre. Uh, well, 
you know, see the, the, the liberal, that obviously the prime minister is very happy with that kind of selection. So the conservatives aren't ready because they don't have their team lined up. And that has to be determined. It will be determined largely by the entourage around uh, O'Toole. The NDP's in trouble. Well, I, the NDP, I think, will hold its own, but its problem is money. I mean, it didn't have enough money to run the last campaign. It's in Hawk. It's building in Ottawa. I think it uh, had a mortgage, mortgage it to the hilt. Uh, uh, last campaign, um, uh, Jagmeet Singh had to fly around on commercial aircraft. They couldn't get a. They mm. didn't have the money to to rent a jet. This time, I don't know. He may be taking Uber. <laughs> ah, Nelson, always thinking outside the box. Uh, I want to thank you. It's going to be very interesting uh, on the uh, on the twenty third when we uh, when we get the throne speech. Okay. Thank you. Nelson Wiseman's a professor of political science at the University of Toronto. One thing that is very clear, despite the lack of details, is the throne speech will come with a lot of spending. Bruce Campbell is an adjunct professor at York University's Faculty of Environmental Studies, and he joins us now. And Bruce, how critical is this throne speech in the midst of a pandemic to the future of Canadians? Well, I think, uh, I think we're at a historical turning point. I mean, we've got a trifecta, uh, at least, of, uh, of uh, moments coming together, whether it's the, the pandemic, uh, we've got uh, uh, a crisis of, of inequality that's reaching a tipping point, and we've got a climate crisis. Um, and all of those, uh, you know, the direction uh, that's pointed to uh, we'll see uh, in the throne speech uh, will at least give us a sense of you know whether the 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 government is going to kind of step through onto the other side and make transformative change, or it's going to listen to uh, as uh, as the current minister of finance said uh, in her book uh, the plutocracy will the plutocracy uh, the very wealthy corporations and the richest um, individuals will, uh, they uh, kind of set the parameters. And what we see is uh, is just marginal change. Now, obviously, in the throne speech, there'll, well, the, there will be spending. It'll come clearer into focus with the budget, but it has to be paid for. And you're calling for a wealth tax. How and why? Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, don't forget the difference between the federal government and the provincial governments and, and municipal governments and individuals and companies is the federal government through the Bank of Canada can create money. Uh, and it's that money creation that's been going on that's been been financing all of these uh, spending measures. Uh, this uh, and it can go on doing that for for quite a while. I mean, it our, our tax system is, uh, you know, is gotten way out of uh, balance uh, with uh, with major cuts uh, uh, to the very wealthy, um, both their tax rate and loopholes and tax havens and so forth. Um, but but it, but it so the tax measures name and I've mentioned the wealth tax uh, among others is to. Um, is to address the inequality problem, uh, to get back to a, a situation where we were four 
date four years, <laughs> four decades ago, uh, where you know there was uh, a fair balance, uh, a fair share of national income and wealth uh, that was held by the majority of, uh, of Canadians. That's gotten way out of whack, and um, you know that that is that is what a wealth tax, uh, and and not just a wealth tax, uh, could be an estate tax. Uh, it could be. Um, uh, changing the rates on capital gains, which are taxed very low, um, and and it could be uh, barring um, uh, hiding wealth, uh, avoiding wealth, avoiding income uh, by through tax havens. It's interesting that uh, we talk about this. As uh, I was reading this morning, New Jersey is actually, as a state, is bringing in a tax on millionaires right now. Well, it's good to see. Let's hope. Uh, uh, let's hope they um, they will follow suit in 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 Canada. Um, and the wealth imbalance is, mm-hmm. is is much more pronounced in the states. There have been, uh, you know, comparably, but we're, comparably uh, we're doing better. But we're still at at historic levels. I mean, we're we're higher than than we were uh, in 1928, just before. Uh, the market crash, and then you know, ten years of recession, and, and another five years of war. So we're um, so we need to we need to rebalance uh, the uh, uh, the tax system. I mean, and and what we're seeing now um, during the pandemic. I don't know if you saw the report that was out yesterday, but the top twenty yes. Canadian bil- billionaires have increased their wealth by. Thirty-seven billion dollars since uh, since the middle of March, and so that 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 just can't go on. Uh, it will, as I said, it will it will it will explode the system, uh, and just like uh, just like we don't do what's necessary on on climate, it will also uh, uh, you know it'll be these both nationally and as 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 an international community, it will. It will lead to catastrophe. Bruce Campbell is joining us on the Unpublished Cafe, adjunct professor at York University's Faculty of Environmental Studies as we discuss the upcoming throne speech. And uh, one item that seems to be getting a lot of traction, or at least a lot of discussion, is uh, guaranteed annual income. Do you think it might become reality? Um, yeah, I uh, some form. It looks, um, you're right, there's been a lot of talk about it. Um, and I think, in principle, uh, it it makes sense. Um, other people have been proposing, although this hasn't reached uh, uh, any level of profile in in Canada, uh, is a is a jobs guarantee. Um, I I I think um, as you can you can structure your your basic income in different ways, and you can structure it in ways that would not be uh, not be good. Um, but if um, you know, in principle, I'm certainly uh, open to looking at the idea. And I was just thinking that I needed to uh, to dig into that question, uh, especially if it's mentioned in the throne speech. Now, uh, you're, you're also calling for a rebuild on on the social safety net. How how do you see that helping the economy? Uh, just imagine. Um, well, first of all, it would help a lot of people, mm. <laughs> young, 
for old people. But just just to give one example, I mean, if you had a a, uh, a public universal childcare system, uh, you've got you know so many usually women um, that can't go to work um, because they're at home uh, with kids and there's no access to childcare. Uh, certainly affordable childcare uh, in some cases. And if you could create uh, that public childcare system, kind of build on what, what exists in Quebec, uh, that would have a, a huge impact for, uh, for uh, uh, employment and, uh, and productivity in the Canadian economy. Spending translates into, into deficit and, and debt. At some point, something has to give, right? Uh, that's right. That's right. Um, but but what has to, in my view, uh, the the kind of the the policy elite, the policy establishment, uh, whether through the Bank of Canada or the Department of Finance, uh, but especially through the Bank of Canada, their focus has been on on um, on price stability and inflation. Uh, actually, the the problem now is is more how do you get out of deflation rather than uh, how do you uh, put the reins on inflation. Uh, we are so far uh, from from having from seeing pressure on inflation. Uh, the priority should be, and the priority of the Bank of Canada should be, as it was after the war up until the late 70s, employment is the number one priority. And but when you get to a stage. Uh, you know, employment now, unemployment now uh, officially is at 11, 12 percent. I'm not sure of the very latest numbers. But one of my colleague economists, uh, uh, Jim Stanford, has calculated the real rate of unemployment at closer to 30 percent. So you've got all kinds of room uh, to um, to provide the support and the stimulus um, without um, and you can, I mean, bank of, when you're creating, the bank creates its own, creates money, it can do that indefinitely. Where it becomes a problem is where, where, where you reach a full employment level and it starts to push up prices. And then you have to worry about it. But there's also what I talked about earlier, that imbalance in the system, where you've got, uh, you know, you've got the wealthiest 1% uh, or the 5% uh, that are not paying uh, their share of taxes. For example, most of their wealth comes from, not from wages like you, you and me, but they, it comes from uh, share, uh, mm-hmm. shareholder value. It comes from stock prices. And we've seen a disconnect between the stock market uh, and, and the real economy, which, uh, which, is, which accounts for what I just mentioned about the, the 20 billionaires in Canada really making, making a, a way like bandits during, during this uh, pandemic. So, so yeah, mm-hmm. it's, uh, there are limits, uh, but they're embedded in the real economy. There's Bruce, lots of room. Bruce, I want to thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure. Bruce Campbell is an adjunct professor in the Faculty of Environmental Sciences at York University. And that leads to our unpublished vote question. What would you like to see in the throne speech? Guaranteed annual income? National Pharmacare program? Increased tax on the wealthy? Or a focus on climate change? You can log on and vote right now at unpublished.vote and have your voice heard.
I want to thank Nelson Wiseman, Professor of Political Science at the University of Toronto, and Bruce Campbell, Adjunct Professor, York University's Faculty of Environmental Studies. And I want to thank you for listening to the Unpublished Cafe. Stay safe. I'm Ed Hand.